This episode of the Sticks and Blades podcast is brought to you by Quite Trill Radio, the best hip-hop internet radio show on the planet. If you know me or you train with me in the past, you know that I hate to train in silence, and that's where Quite Trill comes in. Quite Trill is the soundtrack to all of my training sessions. Quite Trill Radio has over 50-plus episodes that are about two hours apiece that are going to bring you some of the best in hip-hop, soul, and R&B, as well as underground hip-hop music. To listen, follow them on Facebook or Instagram at Quite Trill Worldwide. That's Quite, Q-U-I-T-E, Trill, T-R-I-L-L, Worldwide. Quite Trill Radio. The Sticks and Blades podcast is also brought to you by Vulpus Training. Vulpus Training is the home of some of the best training blades on the market. All of their blades are handcrafted. This means no CNC machines, water jets, or laser cuttings are used to manufacture their blades. All of their blades are hand ground on a belt sander freehand like a real blade. They offer 41 different blade designs, everything from traditional Filipino long blades, tomahawks, short everyday carry blades. Vulpus Training has you covered for all your training blade needs. I recently received their Taliban with a handguard that I'm actually holding my hand right now as we speak. And the handguard is actually big enough to fit a hockey glove through, guys, which means it's ideal for sparring. And the weight and the balance of the blade is pretty amazing. So to order, check them out on Facebook or Instagram at Vulpus Training. That's Vulpus, V-U-L-P-E-S, Training. Vulpus training we're also brought to you by fresh fit focus athletic wear fresh fit focus is a veteran-owned company that provides stylish athletic wear for the man or woman on the go that wants to look their best if you're looking for something to wear to the gym or something comfortable to wear around town fresh fit focus has you covered they have hoodies sweatsuits t-shirts hats and beanies that will keep you looking good and cater to all your athletic wear needs to order your gear, follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Fresh Fit Focus to start looking your best today. Welcome to another episode of the Sticks and Blades podcast. I'm your host, Doug Marsh. And my guest today, he's a former Marine. He's a very talented martial artist. He's trained everything from Kali to Thai boxing to Muay Baran. He's a firearms instructor. And in addition to all that, he's a very well-known and very well-respected knife maker. I want to welcome to the show my friend, Mr. Alan Elishowitz. How you doing today, sir? Great, great. I really appreciate being on the show. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Hey, bro. Thanks for coming on. And uh, just to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain, we had technical difficulties. Uh, Technology was kicking our asses this evening. We spent about a good 20 minutes or so trying to get this show started. And I went to Plan B and uh, thank God Plan B is working and hopefully the show will work out just fine. (laughs) So I like to do a status check on all my guests before you know, we get into all the meat of the conversation and uh, the status check. It just involves, you know, how you've been coping with this whole COVID-19 thing during this odd year 2020. How are y'all holding up? Oh, we're actually, we're doing pretty good. You know, I mean, our life really hasn't changed much. Um, business uh, has been really busy, you know, and um, I would say probably the thing that changed my life the most uh this year is just not going to the movies anymore you know and uh not going out to eat which is actually a good thing uh because um we're eating at home like 97 percent of the times and the food's much better we're saving a lot of money i'm actually losing a lot of weight (laughs) yeah that's not a bad thing you know i for me, I'm still going out. I'm not, you know, 
eating inside as much. You know, I'm I'm just doing like pickup or curbside. But but you're right, man. This this has forced me to kind of step up the culinary skills a little bit. Thank God the wife can cook. You know, keeping things together in the kitchen for us. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think uh, after this whole thing blows over, whenever it blows over, uh, we will probably continue and not go out to eat as much. You know, I mean, we were going out probably, I would say maybe seven times a week. Damn. And, and for some families, that's not much. You know, some families they'll eat lunch out all the time and like three or four meals. Uh, in the evening, but, uh, but you know, an, an average week would be like maybe six times, seven times. And, and now it's like maybe one, you know? Yeah, man. So with knife making, how'd you end up getting started in knife making? I have always had an interest in, um, bladed weapons, not just knives, but just like spears and swords. And, when I was living in Thailand, uh, going to school in 85, uh, 86, uh, I had the Thai knife makers make my design. And, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of fun going back and forth with them. And, you know, I had swords and knives made. And when I came back to the States, uh, to go to college, I tried that a couple times with the local knife makers in Dallas. And dude, that was expensive. Yeah, okay, on a, on a college kid's budget, uh, money went way further in Thailand than it does in the U.S., so I just started making my own. Dang. So what was that process like? I mean, did you, you know, how'd you find out, like, what steel to use or, or what materials to use or designs? It just a lot of reading uh, or schooling or? Yeah, I mean, back then, um, you know, we didn't have the Internet. We didn't really had much of anything uh i bought three books read them like three or four times each um went to the the, uh, the gun shows hung out with the knife makers picked their picked their head questioned you know questioned them on everything um just bought machines here and there and just started practicing you know so a lot of times, you know, us as Filipino martial arts practitioners, we have an idea of what we think a good blade is. But, you know, none of us, a lot of us aren't professionals like you are. So what do you constitute being a good blade? What, what makes a good blade? Um, if so if you're looking at just the blade itself, not the shape, okay, not the design, just, just the, the steel itself. Um, you know, I know a lot of guys still believe in the carbon steels and I look at steel like a gene it's made up of genes you know and so if you had two athletes that trained equally as hard with the same uh, coach with the same economic social upbringing and and everything was everything was equal with these two athletes okay but one was just genetically better he will always be better. Right. Okay. Because he just has that genetic makeup. Okay. And so steel the same way. And so when you look at steel, you can look at very simple steel, which is carbon steel. All right. A lot of forgers use carbon steel. It's basically carbon and iron. Okay. And then you can look at very sophisticated powdered steel, um, where the steel is actually made from powder. It's a very, very different process from the big ingots and then they will it is highly alloyed so it's not just carbon and iron it's carbon iron chromium vanadium you know silicon uh, just a bunch of different stuff in there to to enhance that steel okay and so i tend to lean towards the more high-tech steel because of their performance their ability to perform Okay, um, they're designed to cut other steels. Wow, so the, so the higher-end steels, they can cut a carbon steel, you're saying? Yeah, they're actually designed to punch steels. Uh, like when you're looking at dyes, steel dyes that, that punch other steels, 
Mm-hmm. That's what they're designed for, you know. So, would you rather have uh, a a blade made out of a leaf spring of a Chevy truck, or D two M two A two that was actually designed to punch out steel? Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take the more sophisticated steel. Yeah, absolutely. Every single time, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you look at steels, um, that's kind of a you have to really study the steels. So if your blade is going to be three inches long versus 12 inches long versus 24 inches long, you just can't use one steel for all. Okay. So let's, let's use, um, S 90 V for example, it's a very highly alloyed super steel. Okay. Uh, great steel. If you were just cutting things, just cutting meat, uh, no side load, no twisting, no bones, you know, and if the blade was short, you start getting into, let's, let's say, a 12-inch chopper, a, a machete-length blade that's going to take a twist when you hit, um, yeah, you're going to be missing half your blade because it's going to snap it. Oh, wow. See, yeah. I, I never... Yeah, so steels are a really tricky thing. You have to really know your steels when you pick it for a very specific project or design application. Okay, so as far as your martial arts training, when did you get your start in the martial arts? So I um, <laughs> I started when I was 10 years old. I would have started when I was five, but my parents thought I was too much of a psychopath. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually a true story yeah true. yeah same here that that that's very similar to me i had to wait till i was like 19 to start because you know my parents thought that i had some anger issues and they they're afraid of me going out and killing somebody or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah i mean uh uh my anger issues came a little bit later than that but uh but no i mean it was it was just a really weird thing that happened i used to live in malaysia okay and it's a funny story. It's a funny story now. It wasn't a funny story back then. And so uh, when I was five years old, it was like recess time and we went out to play. And I, I found some kind of rope. I don't know if it was a jump rope or just a rope. I made it into a noose. And I climbed on top of a slide. And I was playing fisherman. I was, I was, I was fishing, you know. <laughs> and everybody's like thinking, like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen now. And yeah, man, my, my rope snagged, okay? And I was like, what? And I started like yanking on that rope, you know? I cut a fish, I cut a fish, you know? <laughs> Teachers are screaming, kids are screaming. I thought you were screaming of joy that I caught a fish, you know? And so, you know the story. I, I got down from that slide and uh, that dude's neck was all burnt on the side, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, man, some kid just ran into uh, my noose and so yeah uh they said you know this 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 kid's a psychopath man and so yeah it it wouldn't have been that bad i think it wouldn't have been that bad if the kid wasn't the son of the british ambassador oh shit yeah you know yeah you fucked you fucked around and got the big fish (laughs) yeah you know yeah i mean i caught a big fish you know and so that that kind of screwed up my martial art uh, till I was 10. I had this thing against bullies and I, I always fight bullies and I just bit off too much, too many bullies at one time, you know? And that's when my parents were like, okay, it's time for you to go take martial arts. You know, so that's, that's very interesting, man. Like I said, when I was real young, I did some crazy shit as well. You know, Chuck E. Cheese with the Herky ball. Somebody took my tickets, chase some kid down, smacked him in the head with the herky ball, you know, <laughs> just, just, just silly stuff. So when you started training in martial arts, you get started with like in karate or, or taekwondo or. Yes. Um, I started in, uh, Okinawan Te, uh, karate do. And, uh, let me see, I was 10 years old and about 13, 14. Um, I started, Kind of dabbling in Taekwondo, Mulquan, you know, Hapkido, uh, some American kickboxing. What was around the Dallas area where I could like take my bike to in, in like a 20, 30 minute ride. Uh, because 
and this is coming from from like a 13, 14 year old mind. Okay, I was thinking to myself, if I was going to fight somebody on the street around this area, more than likely they're going to be learning Taekwondo or American kickboxing. I already got the karate down. Okay, so that's why I was dabbling in these other arts uh, to see what I'll be encountering if I ever fight somebody on the street. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah, so yeah, so I was, you know, I mean, I got into karate to learn how to fight, basically to learn how to street fight, you know, and um, I just wanted to be a brawler. Yeah, that's like I said. This crazy story's kind of similar. You know, I'm, you know, I, we all came out pretty normal. Yeah. You know, in the long run, yeah, it took about 42 years to get it together, but you know, here I am. I'm good. I'm good now. <laughs> I haven't hung anybody since that time in, in Indonesia. And so, you know, we're all good. <laughs> so you, you did all these martial arts early on in your, in your teenage years. When was it that you came to the Filipino martial arts and, and how were you introduced to that? So, um, so I was doing the, um, dabbling in the uh, Korean art, but mainly focusing on the um, the Okinawan Tay. And when I was 16, my parents sent me to Taiwan for three months. And there I learned um, Northern Shaolin Kung Fu, the internal and the external uh, portion of the, uh, of the system. And that was kind of an eye opener because I'd never trained that hard before. Um, that was when I started, that's when, that's when the switch kind of flipped and, and my training changed to, to be, uh, a lot longer, more intense. I got, became, I became more intense in my training, uh, because it was like from, from 10 to nine, 10 to nine, Monday through Fridays. Okay. And, uh, when I came back, uh, from, from that, I was like 16. And then shortly later, like about a year later, we moved to Thailand. You know, and I knew about Thai boxing um, before going and coming from orthodox martial arts. I always thought Thai boxing was kind of crude. You know, it wasn't very um, formal or they were, they were very, uh, they, they, they telegraphed a lot. You mm-hmm. know, so I thought they were really a, a really crude system. And so when I got to Thailand, I was... I joined a really good Taekwondo place, but then I, you know, I kind of bounced around. I went into a Thai boxing gym and got my ass handed to me, you know, and I was like, all right, what is this all about? And man, I was hooked. You know, I dumped everything and just dove into Thai boxing. And so after Thailand, um, you know, I was doing Thai boxing, uh, joined the military and, Shortly after I joined the military, I, I took a, um, a private firearm uh, defensive training course, and uh, the guy kind of introduced me to knife fighting, knife defense. And I was like, whoa, what's this? You know, and this was about 90, okay? And so uh, then about around 92 is when I got into Kali, and uh, it took about maybe around 90 I'll say 95 is when I completely dropped everything and focused completely on Kali, you know, um, because I was doing Muay Thai from like 86 to about that 95 period. Wow. So when you started Kali, who, who was it that you ended up starting out with? Ricky. Okay. So yeah. for the listeners, you've heard me talk about him before, uh, Guru Ricky Riera. You know, he was he was one of my teachers, one of my mentors, him and his uh, good friend, Robert Slomkowski. Uh, in my opinion, both those guys, they're, they're, they're incredible martial artists. You know, Ricky, he had a, a, a strong understanding of like, you know, body mechanics and what made certain things work. And Robert was just, well, not was, he still is, is just explosive as shit. You know, so what were like those early days like with, uh, with Ricky? And when did Robert come into the equation? Um, so the early days with Ricky was, man, a lot of footwork, a lot of footwork, a lot of tire work, uh, a lot of sparring, you know, and what was interesting about the way Ricky taught versus somebody else, some other colleague is that, okay, so you go to colleague XYZ, you learn your footwork, then you learn all your forms and then you learn this and that. Okay. 
with Reiki, it was like it wasn't that structured. All right, you, the the forms was important, but it wasn't that important. It was about the fighting. <laughs> yep. It was straight up about the fighting. You know, it was about the body mechanics and about the fighting. And so we just did a lot of body mechanics, a lot of footwork, a lot of fighting, and then we'll do forms, uh, whatever kind of uh, drills. Uh, and and that was mainly what, what, what I did with Ricky. Robert came in quite a bit down the road. You know, uh, he, I met him, uh, probably I think it was my 40th birthday. Okay, so it was slightly before my 40th birthday. I was like 39 years old when I met Robert. And... Um, Ricky said, hey, I want you to come over to my buddy's house. And so this is when he was, you know, he had a house in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And so I go over there. And so if Robert hears this, he will say a different story to this. <laughs> a different version. But I'm going to tell you the true version of this story. Yeah, okay. tell it, tell it, tell it. So, yeah, so I'm walk, I walk in and I'm like, hey, my name's Alan. Hey, Robert. He goes, you know, I I've been working on this new technique. All right, so, so he's like moving the knife around. All right, he goes, you can pick up a cut anywhere from this movement. I'm like, okay, okay, cool, cool, all right. He goes, attack me like you would on the streets. Okay, so I sidestepped him, and I nailed him on his wrist. And he goes, no, no, seriously, attack me like you would on the street. I'm like, um, okay, so I sidestepped him, I nailed him on the wrist, okay? Because that's the way I was attack somebody on the street. I sidestepped him, cut them on the wrist. Now, I'm not going to commit, I'm not going to commit to a, to a, a fight when I don't, know what's going to happen you know and he goes no no i did and he goes wham he hits me right in the eye with the uh the knife and i'm like you know and, and i flipped out i ran after him across his living room and <laughs> ran around his sofa because i was trying to i was gonna beat his ass you know? <laughs> because this is like the first time i ever met this guy and, and he just clubbed me in the uh basically on my eyebrow with a freaking uh training knife and so after like Ricky calms me down. He just kind of looks at me and goes, I think we need to go to get something to eat. I'm like, oh, whatever. All right, let's go. You know? And so we go to Chili's. I can feel my eye just growing. Mm -hmm. And the waitress is kind of looking at me. And I'm looking at her. I'm giving her my order. I go, is my eye really big? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first time I met Robert. Yeah, man, that sounds just that sounds just like Robert, man, and Ricky. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I first met Ricky. It was like in uh, what was it, two thousand and three, uh, and this is when they have that Pakiti Tertius School, uh, what you call it that that uh, Gabe was was ahead of. I don't know if you ever went to that place or heard of it or whatever. I heard of it. Yeah. Okay, so Ricky was there. My first night, I'm there. I see him, and I had heard about Rick and everything. You know, his reputation, I've seen pictures of him online, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's him. That's Rick Riera. And at this point, you know, I had probably been in, in uh, Pekiti for about maybe a year. And so this school, what they like to do towards the end, would you would spar, you would nice spar. And so it was technical sparring. And so, you know, you're supposed to just target the hand or whatever. And so I'm already nervous. There's about 20, 30 people in there, and they're like, hey, new guy, I want you to spar. And Rick goes, I want to spar him. I'm like, oh, shit. So, you know, fuck it. We go out there. We spar. As soon as they say go, Ricky breaks all the rules, man, and just, like, knocks the shit out of me, turns my damn goggle sideways. <laughs> He's all stabbing me and shit everywhere. And and this went on for about two minutes. And then after that, he, he looks at me. He said, hey, man, you know, your mechanics are pretty good. <laughs> Who'd you train with, Irwin? And I'm like, no, I train with one of Irwin's students, Leslie. And, you know, from that point... We kind of uh, forged that friendship. And Robert, on the other hand, you know, that that what you what you explained, that's classic Robert. You know, he he looks up in the air. The You can tell the wheels are spinning and he's always coming up with shit. Right. Mm -hmm. So the first time I met him, uh, we were over at uh, was it? It was Sunshine's. It was a Filipino restaurant on the northwest side of San Antonio. And um, uh, I'm not going to say their names, but you know who I'm talking about. One of those yeah. One of those guys were there and um, he introduced me to Robert. And at this point I had heard about Rob, but, you know, I hadn't seen him. And so he shows up and same shit, man. He's he's looking at me. We're having this conversation and empty hands comes up and he starts talking about, you know, 
I, I, I don't remember, but what I do remember is I punched at him and he smacked the shit out of my arm and shit went numb. <laughs> and he and Robert always gives you this this look, you know, like like Michael Myers, like this murder face, man. And yeah, his crazy look. Yeah, his fucking psycho look. So he gave me that shit. And from that point, that's where I started going to his house and all that. And And that's where I heard about you. So. So Rick, he would always talk about Alan. He's like, yeah, you know, Alan this, Alan that. He's incredible. And then Robert's like, yeah, my buddy Alan, you know, he's he's good. He's good with the knife and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't meet you till <laughs> till years later, you know. Um, I think, yeah, the first time I met you, I want to say it was over at that place they had on 1604. I saw you kicking the shit out of that bag <laughs> up there in that studio that they were at. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that... Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah, that it was that that night where we took that picture where I brought in those shitty ass uh, t shirts <laughs> with the with the red logo with the uh, with the bull on there or whatever the hell. But yeah, that was my first time meeting you, man. I remember that. You remember our our uh, our demo that we did that one time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was horrible. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was a crazy that was a crazy demo. But anyways. Um, how long, how long was it that you, uh, that you formally trained with Ricky before it just turned into like, you know, just hanging out or friendship? Mm, probably several years. Just probably like maybe three years or so, three, four years. Okay. I mean, we were friends almost right off the bat, you know? And so my thing is when I get into something, uh, I become a very unhealthy obsession over it. Right. So, and so I would, and that's, that's anything I get into. And so I would go and just research a lot of stuff and train on my own. Um, you know, Ricky was a phenomenal instructor. Like you said, he had a great understanding of body mechanics, just a phenomenal understanding of body mechanics and, and Robert, uh, his explosiveness, you know, uh, was was really difficult to deal with, and so just it, you know, it was it was just a lot of fighting, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of fighting, a lot of training, and um, so we became friends pretty much off the bat. You know, because I mean, I was over at his house. That's when he was uh, married, and, and he, we were training in the uh, actually first off it was the apartment parking lot of his apartment. You know, and then it'll be his uh, garage and his house. Yeah. And those those training sessions, you know, from what I remember, especially with Robert, you come over to his house, you drink coffee, you watch film. And the next thing you know, the headgear's going on. And you're beating the hell out of each other, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's typical. But with Rick, like for me, I I didn't get like training from Ricky, per se. We would we would meet up and he would just show me something like he'd say, you know, position your body like this, move like this. And then we'd go through things a couple times and then he'd talk about it. And then, you know, we'd go off somewhere and we'd drink coffee and that was it, you know? Yeah, no, for me, it was, it was formal training. You know, we'd be out there for like two hours or so training. And then, uh, at that same time period, um, I was at SWT, Southwest Texas State University. And, um, I was training a lot, you know, I mean, I was actually spending more time training than actually trying to get a degree there. And so, uh, it was Ricky in San Antonio. It was Ray Para and, and Rudy Vasquez. Mm-hmm, Ray, and yeah. It, it was the, uh, Southwest Texas state martial art team. Yeah. On top of that, I had my own training partners that I was training with, you know, so I, I think I was actually clocking in an average of probably four, four or five hours a day. Oh, wow. Then. Yeah, to be young and irresponsible, man, not yeah. have anything. That Same here. It was life. Yeah. <laughs> it was life. So you're very unique, man, and you, you have a similar mentality to me, you know, basically to where you know, Pekiti Tertia is like my base. You know, we've had this discussion before to where uh, we talked about it, but I'm very open to learning different things. And one thing that you've done, you've crossed over into the gun world, 
you know, mm-hmm. so a lot of uh, people in the gun world, you know, their their thing is, well, you know, if a guy has a knife, all I'll do is shoot him. And then the guy in the knife world is like, yeah, but you have to get to your gun before I can stab you and blah, 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 blah. You know, so what do you think about the disconnect between the gun world and the knife world? They're actually getting better. You know, uh, back in the 90s, you know, it was worse. All right. Um, I was invited to a barbecue down in the, uh, was it, um, it wasn't uh, Colleen, but... um, uh, the, the the place well it was actually it was actually uh thunder ranch okay kerrville it was okay kerrville. it was a barbecue at kerrville and some of the thunder ranch guys were there this was when thunder ranch was in texas now i think they're in oregon <clears throat> and uh one of their head instructors and it wasn't clint smith okay it was one of the instructors there um somebody goes hey alan's a a, a knife fighter you know he teaches a, and trains a knife fighting he goes why would anybody want to bring a knife to a gunfight? And I was like, yeah, because I could probably close the gap and cut you before you get your gun out. I was really cocky. You know? <laughs> of course. And, uh, and the guy goes, I'll step back and shoot you. I go, I will step forward and stab you. You know, and so it was really bad back then because they, and that was the mentality. You know, why would you bring a knife to a gunfight? Nowadays, uh, you see a lot of gun guys carrying knives. Okay, now they're they're more aware of it. You know, uh, just like they're carrying an IFAC. Okay, um, can they use the IFAC or can they use a knife? Probably not. They're just carrying it because it's part of the the look cool gear. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, it's, and so, um, but they're more open now. They are more open now. So one of the people that you train with in the gun world is uh, Sonny Puzikas. Can you talk to us a little bit about Sonny and, and some of his training methods? Sonny, Sonny, Sonny. Okay, so Sonny's a, a Russian spitznaz, okay? Um, he teaches like an Asian martial art instructor, all right? And it's not a slam to Sonny, okay? Um, Russia is not just a European uh, located in Europe. They're, they're also Eastern. So they have an Eastern also mentality mixed with modern European. Okay. And so, I mean, I spent some time, uh, some, some time over there and uh, I had quite a bit of friends that are, that are Russians. And so they, he teaches like a Chinese or an Asian person where he's not going to like spoon feed you and give you all the uh, information. He'll give you bits and piece, pieces of it and you got to kind of work your way out of it or work your way into it. Okay? Where some American instructors will just spoon feed you and just drop all the information on you, you know? And you're like, okay, thank you. You walk away and it doesn't make your brain think. You know, you're not thinking about the process. You're, you're, you've basically been given all the stuff. And so Sonny's like that. He'll he'll make you think about it, you know, and um, he's got some pretty good uh, concepts on fighting. He specializes in gun fighting, okay? You're not going to go to um, Sonny's class and learn how to shoot, okay? You better learn how to shoot before you go to his class because he's about fighting. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of his... A lot of his pistol stuff, I mean, it seems like, I ain't going to say unorthodox. It's different, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, he has you doing fist planks and, like, really exhausting your body and then kind of putting you through the, the ringer. What's that like when you when you do those kinds of things with him? Uh, I mean, I'm fine. I'm, I mean, because I'm been conditioned that way. You know, uh, like, let's say, for example, I took an AK class with him, and uh, and... The, the range was really gravelly. I mean, it was a, a nasty range, and he had us do uh, fist planks, and, and, I mean, dude, everyone was hurting except me, you know, because I've already done it before. My, my, my fists are numb. I don't feel anything in my knuckles. And so I'm just kind of laughing because Sonny's like, okay, one minute. That one minute was like like 10 minutes, dude, you know, <laughs> and and everyone was just hurt, and people were picking little little uh, gravel out of their knuckles and so um if you're conditioned to it you're fine you know but 
playing until they get punched in the face. You know, everyone thinks they're going to be a badass until they're shoved into that situation that they had to actually perform. Yeah, and, he... and, and, and so putting yourself in that pain, you know, a lot of people haven't really felt pain. And so that being, doing doing a, a fist plank in a nasty gravel uh, surface is just just a little discomfort compared to being stabbed, okay? And it's it's just a little taste of you know you got to push that down into your happy place, all right? And and check your mind off and go okay, this will be over eventually, you know, and, and quit thinking about it. Yeah, so one of the things I heard you say on, um, you have your, your Facebook show, uh, we'll talk about here in a little bit, um, but one of the things that you said that stuck with me the most, you said that it's not about the accumulation of knowledge, you know, it's more about refining the knowledge that you have. You know, why why do you think that's important versus, you know, getting all the bells and whistles versus just getting really good at what you do? You know, I think um, understanding all the stuff that's in your toolbox and trying to gather a bunch of tools in your toolbox is very important because who knows, you might have to pull one of those tools out, okay? But when it comes to fighting, I don't care if it's knife fighting, stick fighting, gun fighting, fist fighting, whatever, okay? Um, From my experience, the basic moves is what wins the fights and when you start going really fancy that's when things could go wrong uh, I was talking to a martial artist he was some kind of Filipino martial artist slash Muay Thai and he was also a bouncer and uh, one evening it was cold and he had to kick some dude out and he just decided oh, you know what I'm going to teep this guy in the face you know and he goes and teeps the guy in the face where he then he rips his hamstring Ooh. Because it was cold. That was a pretty fancy move, man, to try to keep a dude in the face to kick him out of a of club, you know, of a club. And so, you know, there's there's fancy, there's time to use fancy moves, and there's time not to. And when you're when you're on in the streets, uh, you got to keep to the basics, you know. And when you're in the ring fighting with another guy that's a pro. You can probably pull off a fancy move just to catch them off guard, you know. But when it's on the street, you got to keep it really basic. Absolutely, and and one of the things in terms of basics or basic fighting is uh, the Marshall Blade concepts with with Mike Janich. Um, mm-hmm. I I know years ago I always tell you this, but years ago um, Robert Sumkowski he he came to uh, one of my classes and. He's like, hey, I got to show you this stuff that Alan showed me. And so we started going kind of through the paces of some of the some basic drills in, in the MBC Marshall Blade concepts, uh, I guess, curriculum or whatnot, whatever you showed. And eventually that that led to us doing pork man to where, you know, he he put the wooden dial uh, through a pork loin with the saran wrap and the, and the denim and all that. And that was kind of eye opening, seeing that, you know, it didn't really take a whole lot to to get you know, make these deep, deep, deep cuts. So when did you get hooked up with uh, Mike Janich, and how long have you been uh, training with him uh, in the Marshall Blades oh, concepts? Man, I think, uh, gosh, I'm going to look at my certificates. I think I've been there like seven times, something like that, you know. Um, so I've known Michael for a very, very long time, even even longer than, than uh, I've been going to uh, the NBC uh, camps. Um because of his involvement in the knife community, you know, and, and Michael is just, man, he's just a great guy. He's just a really good guy, you know, and just has a lot of knowledge. Uh, and the nice thing about NBC is that first in camp, you'll say, this is not a fighting art. Okay. If you want to learn how to fight, you have to go somewhere else. This is a self-defense art. This is a self-defense system. And when you look at the way it's set up, it is, it is because he he will do certain things that that uh, let's say um, a, a trained colleague practitioner would not do, you know, or a trained uh, trained colleague practitioner will 
okay? He has very little footwork. All right, where where uh, Kali has a lot of footwork, and so their guys do very very little footwork. Matter of fact, when I do drills with them, I end up on their back. I will I will get their back because I'm I'm pumping the angle so hard, you know, and and they don't they don't do a lot of footwork and they don't cut the angles. And but but the nice thing about uh, Michael is that you could go to NBC camp three years later, go to NBC camp. And it's almost the exact same thing. Not much has changed. He doesn't believe in adding fillers just to make something new. Makes sense. That makes sense. So, like with M- with the Marshall Blade concept, the thing that I liked about it the most was just that mentality. You know, you you've heard you know. Well, I'll say his name. You've, you've heard Leo Gahe saying, you know, it's about counter offense and all this stuff and being aggressive. But being aggressive, you can't explain that in court. All right. You know, you, you get into some type of altercation. You pull your blade and you stab this guy in the face and the neck and, you know, and the torso doing all this crazy stuff to him. You know, you can't you can't justify stabbing someone 20, 30 times. You know, no, you can't. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> so what I what I liked about the NBC is the targeting you know, to where you're looking at basically disabling this person, you know, to where they aren't, they're no longer a threat, you know, so cuts like along the arm or in the quadricep and, and things like that. That's what's real interesting about it. That's what I liked about it. Yeah, so so uh, another thing Michael say during, during the camp is that if you fight like a criminal, be prepared, you'll be treated like a criminal. So if uh, you defend yourself and you stab this dude 50 times in the chest, cut him across the throat and disembowel him, alright, I guarantee you there'll be pictures of that in court and you will go to court, alright? And so it's really hard to justify or explain or talk your way out of almost lopping a dude's head off and cutting him wide open where his guts spill all over the place, Okay. You might be able to pull that off in the Philippines and Malaysia, but not in the United States. You know, uh, we have way too many cameras, way too many people with cell phones. All right. And so um, when you target certain areas, like basically the arm and the leg, you could justify why. Okay. And it looks cleaner on photo. It's just two, two limbs that got cut up. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's a message that I think that, you know, the listeners of this show, as well as, you know, people within the FMA community, they need to hear, you know, these arts that we train, that we do, they're killing arts. You know, we all know that that's that's like, you know, ABC, that's a foregone conclusion. But also, you know, like I said earlier, you have to understand that if you go buck wild on this guy, (laughs) you know, more than likely, you're going to end up going to prison. It's bad enough that you're going to end up in the back of a police car. You're going to have to go downtown. You're probably going to have to get a lawyer of some sort and, you know, go through all the rigmarole of that. But, you know, to really do like what you just talked about, you have to understand that, you know, you're looking at you're probably going to be gone. You know, you know, getting a life sentence or 20 years or something like that. And that's nowhere I want to be for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, the you know when when you when you use a knife, I, I think people versus a gun. You know I think people look at it a little bit differently. I mean this is that's up and personal. You know I mean you are up there in contact doing that, and so um, the martial art community. I'm not saying everyone, but there is a group of people that has that machismo. I'm gonna do this and this. I'm gonna cut in here. I'm gonna kill him this way. I'm gonna kill that guy that way. You know. And you really gotta watch how you you approach or you view your your, your techniques and, and how you teach your students uh, because man, I mean, it's gonna be like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars with a court piece. You know, mm-hmm. that's the same thing goes on with, with shooting. That's when you know when you talk about uh, uh, training to to use a firearm, man, you better need to pull that gun out. It better be the last thing uh, that. that you know, you have to do is pull that gun out because once you pull it out, man, 
the dollar bills are flying. You know, even if you're going to be doing the right thing, you're still going to be brought to court. You know, and going back to the whole knife stabbing, this and that. You know, um, it doesn't. I, th- I think um, people be more shocked at how long it's going to take for an individual to stop. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's say you get into a knife fight with some dude, and you cut him. Uh, don't expect, you know, let's say you cut him on the arm. Don't expect blood to shoot out of his ears and nose like in samurai movies. Okay. Uh, the human body has about uh, 5.5 liters of blood. And we could keep on trucking up to about 40% of our, of our uh, volume. That's a lot of blood. Okay. Matter of fact, we can lose about... Uh, a thousand, is it a thousand milliliters? Yeah, it's about um, about one liter, like seven hundred to a thousand cc's, or oh no, ml milliliters, okay, of blood, and our body wouldn't even notice it. And so, that's that's a lot of blood, okay. So when you get into a knife fight, if you don't hit the right areas, that dude's gonna be on you for like three minutes or so before he runs out of blood. It's a time thing, you know. Uh, that's why I, I say, I tell people, you know, when you get when you get locked up with someone and you start exchanging uh, blows with a blade, don't expect him to drop like that fast, you know. It might be 30 seconds. It might be 15 seconds. It might be a minute, you know. And in that time period, guess what? You probably got stabbed two or three times. You know, so you have to be very, very careful uh, about how you approach the attacks and and what you do with your positioning of your of yourself when you're attacking. You know, because there's some systems where they like to grapple and lock up with their opponent and basically shank them. Mm-hmm. All right. Number one problem there is that you're locked up. Okay, number one problem is that you're locked up. Number two, you're both basically exchanging shanks. All right, so eventually you're going to get nailed as well. And so whenever you're in a clinch, it just becomes a shit show. And the longer you're in the clinch, the bigger the shit sandwich becomes. And that's just the bottom line to it. Okay, I think that's why you never see petite guys go into a clinch or you you know, I don't think I've ever seen any colleague guys go into a clinch using knife stuff. I've seen variations of it, you know, like setting up for joint manipulations and then employing the blade, those kinds of things. And, you know, it's kind of like you said earlier, those things are they're cool to have in your toolbox. But, you know, I've had personal experience working out of jail to where I've locked people up with joint locks and my brain locked because I'm just focused on that lock. You know, you're under you're under stress, you know, you're scared, whatever, and you secure something. You're not thinking a, a technique all the way through. So, you know, you're just on that, you know, so yeah, your, your main focus is, is what the, the restroom would call a wrist lock or an elbow lock. OK, that's your main focus, that wrist lock, the elbow lock. And so everyone's so, so your uh, your opponent's got you in an, uh, a wrist lock, which meaning meaning they, they control your knife hand wrist okay where you control his knife hand wrist and can you can you you imagine i mean that's that's a grappling that's that's more of a grappler a wrestler okay and that just becomes a major shit show Mm -hmm. because here you got two guys that are within striking distance one hand's attached to another guy the other guy's hands attached to you and it's basically back and forth it's who can break the other person's grip and get a good solid hit where then you know the, the Filipino you see a lot of passing okay they want to pass that hand they want to get that hand out of the way they want to pass and clear check and lock and stab that's why I don't see a lot of like let's say prolonged grappling in in, in uh, edge weapons focused uh, systems that have been along around for a long time. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I absolutely hear that. So one of the things that, that we had brought up uh, a few minutes ago, it, it was a show that, that you just started doing on Facebook Live. And, and that's when I reached out to you because I saw that you were doing this. And I was like, you know what? I'd love to have Alan on the show so he can talk about his show a little bit, maybe get some more eyes on it. Can you uh, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing on your Facebook Live and, and what it's all about? So, um, so I've been going on Facebook because originally it started off on, on Instagram, okay? And for some reason, I cannot get my guests on Instagram. They, Instagram just kind of drops them, you know? So then I, I went ahead and went on uh, Facebook. And so, you know, I have a really diverse interest. You know, I'm, I'm into shooting, I'm into knife making, archery, martial arts of all different kinds, you know, uh, custom cars, whatever. And I have a, a, a huge pool of friends, you know, that um, I want to promote their work. I want to share my interest with other people, you know. And so that is uh, the reason why I started doing uh, more lives or more videos on, on my social media. And, and I'm going to begin to probably add more to tactician concepts because I have two, two different platforms. I have uh, Elishwitz Knives uh, on Facebook and, and Instagram, and then tactician underscore concepts on, on Facebook and Instagram. And I, I keep them separate for a reason because, there's, I mean, I'm on, on tactician concepts, I'm talking about like shooting, knife stuff, you know, drills, guns. Last thing I need is some freaking idiot shutting me down. Okay, and that's the reason why I never blended them together is because they can actually shut my business down. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it's happened to other gun guys. You know that they'll go in and kind of uh, mess with their business, and because they don't like your content. And so that's why I kind of kept those two separated. And so I'm going to probably do more more of the, the live or the videos, uh, interviews uh, on Tactician. And it's just mainly my way of sharing interest with other people. Okay, so the, so the show itself, you're going to start streaming it from the Tactician Concepts page on Facebook then? Yeah, the Tactician Concept uh, will be, like, if it's like a heavily gun-related or heavily... Uh, tactics related, it will be it will be on a tactician. If it's like everything else from like let's say uh, cars to knives uh, to to jewelry or whatever, you know, it will be on the lishwitz. But if it's like uh, anything weapons or tactical, it will be on the tactician concepts. Okay, awesome, awesome. Because I came across that page, the tactician concepts, probably about what, four or five months ago. And I had no idea that you, you know, you had something going and that you were teaching. Because uh, I, I know the last time that I had ran into you was on the gun range. And, you know, we're out there training and everything. And, you know, I could see that the wheels were spinning, but I didn't know that you were you were actually going to, to start, you know, putting work out there, you know, and, and, and training people and everything I like have. that. I have for a while. It's just that it's been kind of on a, a low key. You know, and this year I ramped it up and made it more public that I'm doing it. You know, before in the past it was for small groups, and uh, and now it, it's it's publicly known that I'm an instructor. You know, I'm, I'm teaching, uh, openly teaching uh, firearms training and tactics. And you're doing a lot of blade work as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing a lot of blade work. Uh, and uh, what I'm doing is I'm incorporating the um, martial arts side into guns. So I'm showing I'm showing the uh, uh, shooters that martial arts is not that different from firearms training. It is it is very very similar. Absolutely. Very similar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that's. That's one thing that somebody told me a long time ago. They were like, you realize that gunfighting is a martial art as well. You know, it has some of the same principles. And, and they uh, they let me know. They said, well, look, with your background in the FMA, you understand movement, getting offline. You're already going to be that that much further ahead of the game. So are you incorporating like some FMA footwork into the gunfighting or 
or you just kind of keeping everything separate? No, no. Um, yeah, I mean, okay, so, yeah, firearms, you know, a lot of people don't realize firearms have been around for a really, really long time. You know, I mean, I think uh, I came across uh, an article that, like, the samurais were using them as, as far back as 1500. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, do you think that back in 1500, all right, they got these, these, these muskets of whatever, and they're like, oh, let's come up with a completely new tactics. No. No, yeah. man. They rolled that into the same stuff that they had for the swords, the, the yari, the, uh, the, the bow, everything. You know, and so when I was reading the book, uh, the book of five rings, um, they, he was actually explaining that they will use the guns indoors and the bow outdoors. So they actually had a, a, a specific reason why and where they would use guns. You know, the indoor because it makes a lot of sense. You know, if you ever seen one of those uh, Yumi bows, the Japanese bows, man, they're really tall. They're like six feet, you know. And so you try running around inside of a uh, uh, a castle or, or uh, a building with a, a six-foot-tall bow. Yeah, you're going to get it, knocked it down. happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so yeah, you know, tactics, the tactics is the same. I mean, um, okay, so, for example... Let's see, we have footwork, we have body mechanics, we have uh, positioning, posture, okay, uh, we have close, middle, far range, we have ground fighting. What am I describing? Martial am arts. I describing martial arts fighting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also the same thing in, in, in firearms training as well. Exact same thing. And see, that, that goes back to that whole disconnect. You know, some people don't see it that way, but I'm glad you said that. It's all the same. There's only so many different ways you can move at a at a base level before, you know, all the stuff just starts to tie together to some degree or not. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll throw you one that, that really kind of makes these uh, the gun guys kind of go, what? <laughs> when you hold a knife, okay, when I, when, when I hold a knife, all right, I use my uh, older digits the uh, from the middle finger on down, all right? And that's how I hold a knife. Okay, so basically, your your three lower digits, and so your trigger finger and your thumb is actually relaxed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so I was taught how to hold a knife like that. The kendo guys, if you ever watch guys with kendo swords, the swords, they actually you'll see that their thumb and their trigger finger is actually quite loose. Yep. And they're holding the sword. Strength is really with the last three fingers. All right? When you hold on to a pistol, guess what you're doing? You're holding the pistol with your last three finger because you need your thumb and your trigger finger to be loose. See? Mind blown. <laughs> Mind's blown. Exactly, man. So, we're, we're going to kind of wind down on the show and everything. I'm going to close it out with these last couple of questions. Um, next question, you have to be able to help me do this or help me get this person, but who would you want to hear on, uh, on the sticks and blades podcast? Mm. Have you done Robert? No, but he's on my short list. He's definitely on there. <laughs> oh yeah. Robert would be a good one. Yeah, I think so too. I, I've been, I've reached out to him when I first started doing this. And uh, I, I talked about him at least two or three times, you know, on, on different shows I've been on. And uh, I think people need to know about him. You know, he's yeah, and then you could ask him his version of the story when he first met me. I know he's going to laugh his ass off. Yeah, he's going to tell it completely different. <laughs> completely different, you know. Yeah. Okay. So five people dead or alive that you'd want to learn from. Five people that are alive that I want to learn from. Or dead. If you have the opportunity to five people dead or alive that you'd want to learn from. Mm. Man, that's a tough one. At least three. That's a tough one. Okay, let me start. Firearms training. I'm already learning 
to learn from for the longest time. We're actually really good friends now. It's uh, Kyle Lamb. Okay, yeah, I've heard about uh, him. Uh, from Viking Tactics. Uh, really, because I've, I've trained so long in firearms and, and I've taken so many courses, um, there's really not many guys I really want to take classes from, you know? I mean, I might dabble here and there with one, one guy, this guy. Kyle is probably the guy I could probably, like, I don't want to seem queer, but settle down and just take his classes. Mm-hmm. Okay? He's got so much knowledge. It's not even funny. You know? Um, I will still continue taking other classes from guys here and there just to be more of a a check and balance you know when you start taking classes only from one person you only get their view okay so I'll always continue dabbling somewhere else but I'm thinking I'm gonna probably focus with Kyle for a while because the guy is just a phenomenal teacher number one he's a phenomenal teacher and on top of that uh, he does, he, he's got the credentials and uh, he's got the knowledge to back everything up yeah it's very rare that, 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 that's a fire and sense so the last thing that we'll close out with is just my fun questions there's 10 of them and they're 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 rapid fire a lot of thought shouldn't go into it is just whatever first comes to your to your mind are you ready um is this rated x triple x you can say what hey listen you can say whatever the fuck you want (laughs) (laughs) all right here we go all right (laughs) all right first question what's your favorite weapons category Least favorite? Uh, sticks. What do you love about the Filipino martial arts? Um, the knives. 
What turns you off about the Filipino martial arts? The politics and hands. Hand techniques. What do you love to do besides train? Train. (laughs) My whole life has been training. Oh, man. Okay, 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 okay. Watch movies. That is the only time I actually get to disconnect. Okay. What do you hate? Oh my god, dude, we would be here all night long. Well, pick one, Alan. God damn, man. Shit. Uh, <laughs> okay. I hate ego. I hate the practitioners. It could be a firearms dude. It could be it could be a martial artist that has a freaking ego. Alright. And their cup will never be full. Because they they think it's already so full, but they, it's actually empty. You know, and if you if you really want to become good at something, check the ego at the door, because the ego will always slow you down. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck, man. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> what martial art besides the Filipino martial arts would you like to try? Yeah, just something you want to try. Dabble in for a little bit. Dabble in, dabble Maybe Sambo. Okay. Sambo interests me. You know, I mean, I've done other grappling systems. I just haven't, I've never done Sambo. Um, yeah, that's probably the only one. What martial art would you not want to try? Um, Capoeira. Okay. Especially at this point in time. Shit. No shit right? We're old. <laughs> Last question, man. When it's all said and done, what do you want your uh, your martial legacy to be? Mm. Or legacy in general? Oh, shoot. We ask deep questions. Know. We ask deep uh, questions, man. My, my legacy in general, that... Um... I never looked down at anybody and that uh, I took everyone's opinion to heart because I have, you know, uh, and that's one of the things about learning. Even the, even the lowest person might be able to explain something to you or say something to you that triggers something. And if you blow him off, you know, or you look down at them, you'll never learn that knowledge. That's deep. So, man, thanks so much for coming on the show, Alan. If people want to get... I really appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, absolutely, man. If people want to get in contact with you, how can they reach out to you on social media or your email or your website for your business? Yeah, I mean, you you can get a hold of me uh, on Alicia's Knives on uh, Instagram and um, Facebook or tactician underscore concepts. Uh, You can also email me through my my website, alishwitzknives.com. Can you, can, you sp- can you spell your last name for the folks, just in case? Yeah. E-L-I-S-H-E-W-I-T-Z. Excellent, man. Thanks again for coming on the show, Alan. We'll be Thanks talking. Lot, we'll be talking to you soon. Same here. Thank you for listening to our show. Subscribe, rate, share, leave a review, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at South Texas Kali. Until next time, stay safe and train hard. Peace.